Hi, and welcome to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, founder of the Transforming Center, and I'm here with Steve Weens, senior pastor of Genesis in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Steve is also a Transforming Community alum, which means we have spent time laughing, growing, and being transformed in the presence of Christ in community with other leaders. Thanks, Ruth. And I want to let you know we appreciate the great response we've had to the first four seasons of the podcast. And we would love to bring more seasons and expand what we're doing with the podcast. But all those things take financial resources. So if you've enjoyed the podcast, we invite you to become a monthly patron of the podcast by going to patreon.com and searching for Strengthening the Soul of your leadership podcast. Steve, what is Patreon? I don't even know what that is. Oh my gosh, you're such a <laughs> I know. Just enlighten me, please. Patreon is a great way that people who listen to you and who love the Ministry of Transforming Center and who've gotten things out of this podcast to be able to give $2 a month, $5 a month or more, and they get they get bonus content from you, Ruth, that no one else gets. Exclusive <laughs> Wonderful. bonus content. There's no downside to that, is there? There is no, no downside. downside. So go to patreon.com, everybody. Search for Ruth Haley Barton or Strengthen the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. And please join us by becoming a monthly patron. Well, Ruth, we are at episode four. It's called Dangerously Tired. And I want to make a quick mention we're sitting here recording in Wheaton, Illinois, and it is a rainy day. It is. And it's lovely, actually. We need this lovely. rain so much. So do we, where, where mm. I live. It has not yeah. rained. But we have a nice big skylight that I'm looking at that's going to be kind of loud at times, or it could be. So just be with that. Be with it without judging it. <laughs> <laughs> let but it be part of your peace. Let it be part of your peace. You you may, but you may hear that. So, uh, Ruth, bring us up to speed about where Elijah is in the story. Well, he is under the broom tree and he's told God that he wants to die. And the good news here is that when we give up control and the, the, the expression of saying, I want to die, we don't know really if Elijah was truly suicidal or if he was overstating the point. But we do know that being willing to give yourself to God is a way of giving up control. And that's a really good thing for a leader to get to the point where we know now that what most needs to be done in our life, only God can do is such a great place to get to in the life of the leader. And what it does, of course, is it creates more space for God to come in and doing, do what only God can do. So in this case, God knew that Elijah needed rest before he could do anything else, that he was dangerously tired. And I do draw a distinction between good tired and being dangerously tired. Good tired is the kind of tired that we all feel when we've done a good job at something, when we've given something our all, when we're functioning out of our giftedness and out of our calling. <laughs> Thanks Hi, a Jeff. lot, Jeff. Everybody, Thanks a no. lot. And you may also hear Jeff James sneezing. We are going to absolutely keep that in there. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Jeff James, he, he does the show notes. He, he's all That's the behind-the-scenes right. stuff, making sure the, the Patreon thing is going. The, the, uh, so so there was a little, yeah, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's <laughs> hi. Hi, Jeff. Jeff is a real person wow. over there in the corner. He is here, and he's bold. And uh, I love it. <laughs> okay, Ruth, you were saying... I was being so profound before were, that uh, happened. It was such a rude interruption, really. Um, 
Uh, no, you were you were saying how uh, God knew in a way that Elijah didn't even yes, know. Yes, and how... I was talking about the difference between yep. being good, tired, and dangerously tired. So good, tired is the tired we get when we've left it on the field, but we're functioning within our giftedness, within our calling. And we have sacred rhythms in place where we know how to get rest after we've given our all to something. But in, with dangerously tired, it's usually very different than that. It's a cumulative thing. It accumulates over time. And I do think that this is the kind of tired that Elijah was experiencing. He had been pouring it out. He was having good success. He was close to God. He was functioning out of his giftedness and his calling. And yet um, he'd been doing it for a long time. And he had also had some hard things happen in his life. And he was in the middle of something very hard, which is that there was a threat on his life and he was hiding out. So this was a hard place. So he was dangerously tired, not just good tired. And, um, so in this moment, because he's giving up control to God, then God did, had a fairly simple solution. And that is that Elijah needed to rest mm-hmm. and he needed to rest body, mind, and soul. And, and what's interesting here is that the first kind of rest God leads him into through the angel is to rest his body and mm-hmm. to replenish his body. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to kind of just take this piece by piece a little bit because, um, Elijah had just been on Mount Carmel and we typically describe this as like his greatest victory, you know, mm-hmm. and, and God won the day. But on the other hand, Elijah slaughtered mm-hmm. people. And I, I don't, you know, I don't, this is speculative, but I don't know that he enjoyed that, that he mm-hmm. loved that, that that was just, woo. Yeah. so I think there was some probably things going on for uh, him there too. He, he, he was tired because of this gruesome act mm-hmm. that that he had done which took physical stamina but yep. but probably was hard on him emotionally so what's at stake for elijah mm-hmm. as he's in this place of being so dangerously mm-hmm. tired wanting to die right uh, he's fled from everything he's being pursued he's got a uh, price on his head mm-hmm. he's afraid yeah well, first of all, I think it points out that even successful ministry is depleting. And I think we need to keep that in yeah. mind. And we just, even when ministry is successful, we're not cut out to just keep going without ever stopping. So so that's really important. Um, but what I hope we see in the story of Elijah is that it's okay to be where you are. It's okay mm-hmm. to be in the state that you're in and that the best thing you can do when you're in that state is this, to say the most honest thing you can to God. And that's what Elijah is doing. I love this part of Elijah's mm-hmm. story for that reason. Mm-hmm. He says the most honest thing he can think of, which is it's enough now, Lord. I, I am so done with this. You can take my life. That's the most honest thing he had to say. And he said it yeah. and he gave up control and God came in to give him what he most needed, which in the beginning was rest. And it started with physical rest. And mm-hmm. I think that's that that is what we see first, and we'll talk about that yeah. a bit in the next episode. But um, I think if if Elijah had tried to keep pushing through, I'm not sure that he could have. I think he really was at a kind of end. And I think we need also to be able to recognize when we are dangerously tired, when we have really truly come to the end of ourselves, and that is a point where we just really need to stop and allow God to minister to us. So let me ask you: How do you know mm-hmm. when you're there? I think sometimes I can look in the past and say, oh, I was dangerously mm-hmm. tired there. But in the mm-hmm. moment, it gets a little confusing. Yeah. How, how do you know? There are lots of concrete ways to be able to tell. I think one way we can tell is that we we just don't love our work anymore. Mm-hmm. And there's almost a kind of resentment that comes about our life in ministry and the people that are involved. We lose patience with the people. We lose compassion for human need and suffering. Um, 
we find ourselves daydreaming about going someplace else or having another life. Um, I think we can always, we can also see ourselves become compulsively addicted to our work. We just keep having that feeling that, man, if I could just get this done, I'd be done. If I could just get to that finish line, then I'll be able to take a rest. And we become compulsive. And one of the ways we can tell that we're being compulsive is by the way we use our technology and whether we're leaving ourselves plugged in all the time and always open to intrusion. Um, how much we're using escape behaviors, escapist behaviors. So escapist behaviors, as we know, are behaviors that don't take anything from us, but they don't give us anything either. Yeah. So mindless television viewing, um, endless spending, um, you know, escapist behaviors like reading fantasy novels all the time or pornography. Those are all escapist mm -hmm. kinds of behavior. And so when we notice that we don't have the energy to choose something that's life-giving, that can also be... A real sign that that things are not well when we've actually given up on our spiritual practices because we think we're too tired to do them or we're, they feel lifeless to us um, when our human relationships are getting short changed all of those things are things that that tell us that we may be drifting into the realm of being dangerously tired and should pay attention really do need to pay attention i've heard you talk about even some of the normal things in life we haven't been to the dentist in two years right we can't pick mm -hmm. up our dry cleaning we, right the car needs the mm -hmm. oil change yeah but, and, and so know. life feels out of control when those yeah. things are going on you just feel out of control mm -hmm. and a lot of times people will ask what do you do after you've done a two and a half day retreat what do you do to come down and we all have as our rhythm that when we're engaged in a retreat for two and a half to three days, everybody who was on that retreat leading it mm -hmm. takes the day off because that's our work. So the next day is always a day off. And people ask, how do you come down? And the best thing to do for me is just to do human things. I love doing human things, washing the floor or mm -hmm. changing the oil in the car mm -hmm. or doing those ots and sots sort of errands that, that really need to be done. But when you're too engaged in ministry, you don't get them done. Those things, it's life-giving to feel like your human life is together and that you're doing the things that are good for you, humanly speaking. So, I fixed a, my deck, a, mm -hmm. a, a, a plank that had yes. gotten all rotted mm -hmm. off on my deck, and I had yeah. to drill holes for the spindles mm -hmm. on Saturday, yeah. and it felt so good. I know. It, fe it felt so good because I got it done, yeah. number one. But also working with my hands. You're totally right. right. Exactly. Doing this human, yes. gritty, sweaty stuff right. mm -hmm. uh, that is so different right. from the work of From ministry. the heady work that we yeah. typically do. So yeah. I, I resonate big time. Uh, you also write in this chapter, and I find this so important, about uh, the importance of surrendering to your exhaustion mm -hmm. versus fighting it. Yeah. And I know exactly when I read that, I, th I thought, I know exactly what you mean by that. Yeah. But how do you surrender to it? What does that look like um, instead of fighting it? Yeah. Well, when we're surrendering to our exhaustion, we're surrendering to our, to our humanness, yeah. which I think is another way to look at it. And so we're allowing ourselves to be human. And I think that's one aspect of surrendering to exhaustion, saying, I am not a person who's meant to go 24-7, to fight the fight, the good fight 24-7. I'm not the energizer bunny. I can't keep going and going and going. And so to surrender to exhaustion is to let ourselves rest. And depending on how far we are into the dangerously tired part of the continuum, we may need you know more rest than we think. Mm -hmm. Like one day might not do it for us. When we are dangerously tired, one Sabbath day usually doesn't do it for us. And we need a longer you know time of rest. So 
to surrender ourselves and to notice what, what levels of rest we need. And so as we go on in our conversations, we're going to talk about body, mind, and soul, because there are levels of rest too, right? Like you can be having enough sleep, but that doesn't mean you're rested at the soul level. It doesn't mean your mind has rested. And so, um, to allow oneself to surrender and give in to the need for rest at all of those levels becomes a part of what it looks like. It's really about surrendering to being human and being a creature in the presence of our creator. And I think that as we as Christian leaders do that, we actually give the people around us who are looking to us for leadership, we actually give them sweet permission to live their lives more sanely as well. If we look like we're doing more than a human being should realistically be able to do, then other people think they have to sort of keep up with that somehow. Well, if you can do it, I should be able to do it. But when we surrender to our exhaustion and we allow ourselves to be human, the people around us can say, wow, if he or she can do it, then maybe I get to do it. You know? Yeah. Ruth, what about if you're in an environment where your supervisor constantly emails you at nine 30 at mm-hmm. night and kind of respects response mm-hmm. or, um, your spouse is on a different mm-hmm. page with you. How do you start to set boundaries when they feel like you may lose mm-hmm. something if you do? Yeah. Well, in a work environment and, you know, especially if you are the senior person like you are mm-hmm. and I am, I think that if we can set the expectation from the, from the center out or the top down that, that while someone may be emailing at nine 30 at night, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say whether that's what they should be doing, but I can set the expectation that we're not expected. We are not expected to answer emails that come in the evening. We're not expected to answer emails on the weekend or on the Sabbath that people can do what they're going to do, but we're not subject to it. Mm -hmm. And we set that, you know, we set that tone, that expectation within the church or the organization I think that's really important. So sometimes there'll be a reason why somebody feels that they need to be emailing at odd hours, but that doesn't mean anybody else is expected to respond. And I think there's some freedom in that. Yeah. Um, sometimes when I'm heading into two and a half days of travel and being out of, out of pocket, I will do some emailing before I leave, maybe on a weekend or something like that. And I, I do not expect anyone to respond. I just know I've got to get myself together so that I can get out the door. And there might be a few things that I need to attend to and make sure are taken care of. So, so that's one thing. I do think this is a place of wrestling for spouses. Mm-hmm. You know, for us to wrestle together about how we're going to deal with technologies. Um, and people have all sorts of different ways and reasons for being connected as well. So to, to really be able to mm. talk about those things yeah. um, is, is very, very important. I think some of the research that shows how our relationships are being affected by our technologies is very, very interesting. And we do need to delve into it. And we do need to talk about it. So there's evidence now that if there's even a cell phone on the table, even if it's face down, if there's a cell phone on the table, that people hesitate to go into the deeper conversation because they feel pretty certain that they're going to be interrupted. So they just don't go there. Yeah. So like my husband and I have wrestled, he'll have his phone with him way more than I'll have mine mm-hmm. with me. I feel a great deal of freedom when I can leave it, it, you know, in. leave it somewhere else, but he'll have his with him for a different set of reasons than I will. Um, and we've had to argue about that and we have, because I don't love it. I don't like mm-hmm. having phones anywhere near us when we're trying to have a date together or when mm-hmm. we're trying to rest or on the Sabbath. I don't want to hear the pinging and the dinging of his phone when I've got mine off. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So we have to wrestle with it and we do. It can be very energizing at times. Yeah. Energizing <laughs> is a good word. Um, but I think too, as it relates to being dangerously tired, I would admit I'm more likely 
to just mindlessly get on my phone mm-hmm. when scroll I am, or yep, something. scroll when I'm mm-hmm. be, because it's a, I'm looking for a dopamine right. hit. And that, that is escapist behavior yep. right there. Yep. Yep. And it's not cause I mean, I may have mm-hmm. just checked email or right. just checked whatever. I'm, there's mm-hmm. no productivity. Yeah. This is just yes. cause I mm-hmm. need something. I need something. Simulation or I, I just don't want to be with myself. Yeah. You know, or right with now. the person I'm with. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is anecdotal, but I feel like it's true that pastors these days, Christian leaders, are struggling with depression, struggling with anxiety in ways that feel like they're more than ever. Mm-hmm. Do, do you see that? Do you find that to be true? And if so, what do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, I think there is disagreement on whether or not it's statistically true. But we do know that this is a, a big part of what goes on for people who are in ministry over their lifetime, that there are these times, these ups and downs and times of depression and anxiety. But I would say it anecdotally that it is true. And I think there's probably several reasons. One would be the level of expectation these days on pastors is way different. We've, I think I've probably yeah. talked about this before. CEO. The CEO thing, the the innovation, you know, the, the pressure to be brilliant every single Sunday, you know. Um, and to be growing. And to be growing. The, the pressure on pastors these days. And, and I think even social media and the way that, that what other churches are doing yeah, uh, it's so present. You can see it if you're if you're following Anyone. other pastors. You can actually see it in your face. You know that others are maybe doing better than you are in certain areas or in certain ways, or they're not struggling like you are. So that's really real. There's no question that those things are real. Um, and then I do wonder too if in the pastorate there's there is this expectation that I'm gonna be above it all, that I'm going to be above my humanity, that I'm not going to need what other people need. And that because I'm supposed to be spiritual, I won't ever, um, enter into areas of depression and and anxiety. So some of it's internal too. this perfectionistic tendency that we have. And this, um, I think totally unrealistic idea that we're not subject to the kinds of experiences other human beings are subject to because we're so spiritual. So, um, I think all of those things do contribute to depression and, and anxiety and exhaustion and inability to unplug feelings of indispensability, you know, that I'm supposed to be indispensable. I'm supposed to be on call all the time. I'm supposed to be available for every death and every wedding and every funeral and every illness. And, you know, every crisis I'm supposed to be available. I'm supposed mm-hmm. to show up that the expectations, the boundarylessness um, on the pastoral calling sometimes, or the expectations that others have, those are very, very real. Yeah. And, and I agree with everything you mm. just said. And I would add uh, a question: What about when there's a medical, mm-hmm. uh, when there's medical attention that's right. that's that's needed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that that's a downfall too. Is that sometimes we think that we shouldn't have to, you know, rely yeah. on those things. And there's almost a stereotype culturally that that someone who's a successful pastor shouldn't be needing medical intervention or any medications or anything like that. Again, I think that giving into our humanity and the resources that are there for us as human beings through the medical profession and through medications that are available, that these are things that we should um, feel very free to take advantage of and should, shouldn't feel guilty, should feel like this is just a part of being human. And this is a part of being the best human being I can be is to lean into some of the solutions that, that are provided. Even as we continue 
practices like solitude and silence, mm-hmm. which do bring us back from the brink of dangerous levels of exhaustion, which do help to help us to cope with depression um, and anxiety. Particularly solitude and silence, I think, are helpful as it has to do with anxiety mm-hmm. um, and noticing negative thought patterns, noticing uh, the continuous loop of anxiety sometimes. The practice of solitude and silence, the simplicity of the breathing and the becoming quiet and allowing the chaos to settle, coupled with whatever we need medically, can be highly, highly effective for dealing with some of these difficult and challenging experiences. Thanks for bringing both and. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a very good perspective. Yeah. It's not one or the other. Uh, it's not try super hard first. Right, you know, exactly. It's, it, is a, it is a... Take whatever resources <laughs> you know yeah. there are for you. Okay, so uh, can we talk for a second about one of the phrases I love you use all the time is sane rhythms of work and rest. In an age where, again, we've, we've already said this, but you can check email and voicemail 24 hours a day. And so when you, I think when you say a phrase like, it's, it's important for a leader to develop mm-hmm. sane rhythms of work and rest. Maybe we, maybe you assume everyone knows what you're talking about, but I don't think they do. Mm-hmm. So get practical, yeah. get tangible. What do you think is a sane rhythm of work and rest mm-hmm. for someone that's in ministry or, mm-hmm. or just in life? Yeah. Well, if I can just go right there, I have an idea about that. Come on now. Um, I would, I would suggest that all of us in Christian leadership have some time to rest in God at the beginning of the day to give our anxieties to God, to hold in God's presence those things that are of concern to us, to ask for God's guidance, um, that there just needs to be some time for sitting in God's presence at the beginning of a day, uh, to not start the day, you know, hit the ground running and, you know, breathing heavy and, you know, running, literally running. Um, And then we move into our work day from a place of being grounded in God, that maybe we have at least one bit of of rhythm around prayer in our day. So maybe it would be a midday pause or a midday fixed hour prayer, or just something that enables us to pause and breathe and reorient ourselves to God during the midday. Then I really do suggest that we have an ending to the day, mm-hmm. five, five thirty, six, whatever it is for you. Um, and maybe even through some ritualistic action, mm-hmm. like an evening prayer or like, um, you know, finishing up your email, shutting it down and with prayer, calling it good and saying, this is enough for this day. I'm shutting it down. Um, that that evening meal with the family, um, on some evenings anyway, I know that many pastors and leaders have evening meetings or evening functions, but, um, to, to let the meal time with family be a natural break, a natural rhythm in the day. And so maybe we do have to go back from, for a meeting at night, but at least to take the meal time as, mm-hmm. as a, as a breather and as a place of a break with gratitude and, and, you know, conversation and human connection with, with loved ones. Um, and then getting enough sleep is part of the same rhythm, knowing what your body needs to be well. And that changes at different times in our lives, doesn't it? So as you get older, you need a little bit more. And as you get older, sleep is more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's Why just, is that? it doesn't come as easily. I don't, it's, it's hormonal. It's something. Yeah. Um, and so what are the nighttime rituals that I need to put in place in order to be able to rest well? Because yeah. the body does its healing during sleep. Mm-hmm. All the healing happens while we're sleeping. It's amazing. The mind um, rests and God brings, might, might even bring to mind, bring to consciousness things that need our attention during, during the night. And we can bring those to God prayerfully. Um, so those are daily rhythms. There are the weekly rhythms that include Sabbath. And I really do suggest 24 hours of a break and rest in God's presence, hopefully starting in the evening 
if you don't start in the evening, but start in the morning, then let it carry you through the next morning. Um, so that, you know, once, once a week, we're actually resting ourselves into God's presence. Some retreat time, I would say once a month or once every quarter, um, to have some extended retreat, whether it's a day or a night and a day, but a little bit of an extended time to take a nap and to rest the soul and the mind. Um, and then take your vacation. I loved the fact that mm-hmm, you brought mm-hmm, up your vacation, mm-hmm. take your vacation, take it all. That's not solitude. That's yeah. with your family. It's, but it's still a mental break mm-hmm. and it's, uh, the rest and the replenishment that comes from being with the ones you love the most and having fun with them and giving time to them relationally. Those are, th- those are the, those are the rhythms that keep us in the game, you know? Yeah. Thank you so much for mm-hmm. blazing through mm-hmm. those. Cause I think it's so important and I think we can, like, I'm, I'm thinking about um, people with little kids, you mm-hmm. know, and they feel, oh my gosh, I can't do it. Yeah. But how Mary and I did that is we just tagged, like we swapped in and swapped mm-hmm. out, you know. So Very Saturday good. mornings, Very it was like good. two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. We each gave each other two and a half hours mm-hmm. to, and you could do whatever yes. you wanted to. You, If you wanted to sleep, mm-hmm. fine. Run, fine. Bike, fine. Read, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't know, but um, when I'm on... I have the kids mm-hmm. and you go. Yeah. And when, then when you get yes. back, I go. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, there are ways to, right. to, to try to do mm-hmm. that even with the little Absolutely. ones. Absolutely. That's not just a, a, a lost season. Uh, okay. So I think we're at the time where I would love to ask you to lead us through a practice. Okay. Well, I think that one of the things that would be good for us right now is to take some time to just pay attention to our levels of exhaustion and whether or not we're in any way like Elijah, whether or not we have approached dangerous levels of exhaustion. And so to do that, let's just be quiet in God's presence, be as honest as we can with God. And maybe you could draw a little continuum on a piece of paper. Again, you might need to pull over um, or do this later if you're driving. But to draw a little continuum on a piece of paper and on the left-hand side, put fully energized and refreshed, um, move over a little bit to the right and put good tired, move over a little bit to the right and put drifting towards dangerously tired and move all the way over to the right and say fully in a state of dangerous levels of exhaustion, dangerously tired just for shorthand. And then to put an X on your continuum, don't rush to solutions, don't try to fix anything. Just give yourself some time and space to notice what's true about you and to place yourself on that continuum. And rather than trying to fix anything right here in the moment, just invite God into this moment by saying, God, this is what's true about me. And what are we going to do about that? So allow yourself to become aware of God with you. God's not here judging you. God is here loving you. God is extending compassion towards you. God sees you as you are, and he loves you as you are. And so as you're just with God, with the truth of your being right now, where you are on that continuum, feel God's love for you. Feel God's acceptance of you. Feel God's longing for you to be well to live your life well in Him. See if you can hear Him say to you, come to me, you who are weary 
and carrying heavy burdens and I will give you rest. What's it like to hear those words right now? Do you believe it's even possible to enter into rest? What do you need to say to God right now about your tiredness? Tell God what you need and listen for his response. Come to me, you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And perhaps hear your soul say, yes, yes, Jesus, I come. Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. We know there are thousands of podcasts to choose from, and we are grateful you spent the last 30 minutes with us. If God has stirred something in you about your own leadership experience, maybe God is inviting you to begin your own journey of leadership transformation. I was a part of Transforming Community Number 6 way back in 2011, and it was such an important part of my spiritual journey. Transforming Community is a practice-based spiritual formation journey with nine quarterly retreats. The Transforming Community is designed to integrate your spirituality and leadership, helping you reclaim practices and experiences spiritual seekers down through the ages have used to open themselves to God's transforming work. Also, if you've enjoyed the podcast, we would love to hear from you, and there are three ways that you can respond. One is going to patreon.com, search for Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast, and you can become a monthly patron at various levels. Second is that you can share your favorite episode with friends. And third is you can go onto iTunes and leave a rating and review. To find out more about the Transforming Community Experience or to apply, go to transformingcenter.org. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. May your nearness know